When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. This is an account of what happened on the day that we in the church have come to call the day of Pentecost. Jesus has died. Jesus has been resurrected. Jesus has just ascended to go and sit at the right hand of the Father. Jesus sends his disciples back to Jerusalem to wait for the arrival of the Holy Spirit, who will take them the next leg of the journey. Uh, and so they're all there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, which was uh, already a festival uh, 50 days after the day of uh, Passover, uh, Passover for the Jewish folks. Um, and so that's what they're doing, right? Uh, they're just in Jerusalem for the festival, waiting to celebrate. But on that day, it says, And suddenly from heaven there came the sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard the disciples speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astounded, they asked, are, are not all of these speaking Galileans? How is it that we all hear, each of us, in our own native language? In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Well, it is the day of Pentecost today, uh, and we are celebrating, as we remember, the story of the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we have been, for the last few weeks, having a conversation about uh, what it means that we are made in the image of God. What it means that we're made in the image of God. And we've traced uh, the meaning of that, like what it means for us to reflect God's will and God's way, God's nature and God's character, God's love out into the world. Um, from the very beginning of scripture, the creation stories, all the way through Jesus, who is the perfect image of God. Um, and now last week and this week, we're talking about what it looks like for the image of God in us that is distorted and disfigured by this thing that we call sin, what it looks like for the love of God to begin the work of restoring uh, God's image in us. And um, it just so happens, it just so happens that the series that we're in, the conversation that we're happening, uh, having, uh, you know, is gets laid over this celebration today in the life of the church of Pentecost. And in a way that maybe I knew, but hadn't appreciated, these two things are so perfectly connected, so perfectly connected. And I'd like to try and just pull that thread uh, this morning, not just because it's interesting, because it may also just be perfectly timely. Uh, maybe it's just for me, but I think maybe for us as a church, not just Fuqua Verena United Methodist Church, but like capital C church, church in America, church all over the world, maybe. Uh, um, and so that's where we're going to kind of hang out today. Last week, we read a passage from Paul where he said, it's our responsibility to be in the Messiah. We are called to be in Christ, uh, taking off the old self with its habits and practices and being clothed in Christ, being clothed um, uh, in Christ, like so that the image of God in us can be restored perfectly by the one who is the perfect image of God. Um, this week, Paul insists that Christ is in us. Uh, in fact, in another place where I think Paul's doing the same sort of thing, talking about what it means for the image of God to be restored in us, uh, says that we have to die to our old self so that we can be raised into our new self. 
Um, and that how we're going to do that is through the work of the Spirit, which arrives on Pentecost. It says, if the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, lives in you, then God, who raised Christ from the dead, will give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit that is indwelling, right? Paul says, if we're going to be raised to be the people, like be raised to be people who reflect the image of God perfectly, then the Spirit of God has to, has to dwell has to dwell within us, has to live within us. Um, and that's, that's his insistence today. So I think, like I said, I think it's, um, it's perfectly timed. One caveat, I do wish last week that instead of saying uh, that we are made in the image of God, I wish I had changed my language to suggest that we go on being made in the image of God, that it's ongoing task and ongoing work. Uh, and we find ourselves uh, right here again this week. Here is the creation story to Pentecost pipeline, <laughs> if you will, okay? Um, so there are two creation narratives in the Old Testament, and we we read them together. Like, we read them as one story. We don't see them as being uh, vastly different, but they tell the story in, in different ways. Um, and the second one, which is in Genesis chapter 2, says that God shapes and, and forms us out of the dust of the earth, right? That God takes the dust that makes everything, and that God kind of forms it and shapes it together. And then it says that God breathes God's breath into our nostrils, right? Um, I remember where I was the day I heard Pastor Hope say, if you're going to breathe into somebody's nostrils, you got to be real close to them, right? Like this is just how intimate the story of creation is, um, that God was was giving us God's very own breath. It's, it's God like up in our face that vivifies, right? That gives gives life and energy and animation to our lives, uh, to the thing that we call heart, to the thing that we call soul, like makes us who we are. It's a, a gift of God's breath. It's a gift of God's breath. And uh, the word for spirit uh, in the Old Testament, the word for spirit in the New Testament is, is the same word that we use for like breath or wind. We see the Spirit of God, the wind of God, the breath of God hovering over the chaotic waters of creation. And we see that same word get carried through all the way to and past uh, the day of Pentecost. Um, and a lot of times I think of Pentecost as a, a, a fire day, right? Tongues as a fire came and landed on all their heads. Like we turn the church red, uh, all the the, clo the clothing that the church we wears turns red. We have cupcakes uh, on Sunday and they're red. Like, um, you know, everything's red. But uh, while the fire that got lit in the church that day and spreaded, spread all around you know, the Mediterranean region, it may have been a fire thing, um, that fire happened because of this mighty rushing wind. Wind. When camping with my kids this weekend, um, when you're trying to start a fire, you, know, you get a little flame going, and then you go get the big Tupperware container top, and you woof, woof. Oof, oof, oof. And all of a sudden, the, the little tiny flame is now this sort of huge fire for marshmallows or cooking or whatever you're doing. Um, and it's the spirit of God. It's the, the wind of God. It's the breath of God that not only breathes life into our nostrils, but, but brings and breathes life into the, into the church on the day of Pentecost and beyond. That, I think, is, is beautiful. It's intimate. It's meaningful. Um, the, the challenge that I'm, I've been wondering about is like, if, if we've, if we've lost our breath, like I've been asking myself the question, what does it mean for me as a follower of Jesus? What does it mean for us as a church to, 
to to breathe again. Like I'm, I'm wondering if we've like lost our lost our breath. Uh, there's uh, a guy who worships with us here uh, at Fuquay, and his dad uh, was a United Methodist pastor and served in Hawaii. And there is a a slang term that can be anything from benign uh, to a really racialized term. So I just want to kind of name that. Um, and it's a, a term given to uh, those from Europe who arrived on the island by those who were already living there. Um, and the term literally means the breathless ones, the breathless ones. And David explained to me that it's it's because when the, the, the folks native to Hawaii were, um, before they worshiped, they would take a moment before they walked in to worship, to breathe in the spirit of God. Then they would worship. And then when they walked out of worship, they would take a moment to, to breathe spirit back into uh, back into creation, uh, and that they noticed that the those who had come uh, from Europe to settle on their island, um, they just went into worship and came right back out. They didn't take any time to breathe. Uh, they just, you know, got it done, moved on to the next thing, went to go grab lunch at <laughs> Joyce and Family. I don't know uh, where they eat uh, on the island of Hawaii, but I'm sure they're delicious places there as well. Like uh, the breathless ones. I, I just I I when I was kind of sitting inside of this. Um, the prep work for today, I, I, I texted, I texted him up and I was like, Hey, can you explain that to me again? I think he told me like four years ago, but I just, I found myself wondering, like, am I a breathless one? Are we, are we breathless ones? Are we breathless ones? Are we, are we ones who are, are trusting in the work of the spirit to give life to us and give life uh, to the church? And, and if we are, what would it look like for us or for the church to, to breathe again? Uh, to breathe again. So I have, I have three words, three things that we could do uh, to, to kind of breathe again. Uh, and I want to center uh, the rest of our conversation on that today. Uh, they are pray, praise, and plant. They all start with peace. Maybe it'll be easier uh, to remember that way. We have to be a prayerful people, a praiseful people, and we have to be a people who are planted in the places that we uh, live, work, and play um, in the gardens that God has, has placed us in. Um, and uh, here's why I chose those words. Um, I, I started by just kind of asking myself, like, when in my everyday ordinary life do I find myself out of breath? Uh, and the first place that I went was back to my cross country days. Uh, we had a coach, Colonel Barber uh, is his name. And he used to yell at us. He had a very distinct accent. So you could always hear it. And he would always yell like, don't forget to breathe. And um, that was always a really frustrating thing to hear when you're on, you know, mile three of your 5k and you're running, you know, at the top of your heart rate capacity. Um, and you think, how, what do you mean? Don't forget to breathe. I'm running. If I didn't breathe, I would fall over. Like this doesn't actually make any sense, but it did. Uh, what he knew, what he knew is that when we get tired and when we are striving really hard to do something that's just past our capacity, we tend to tense up. And so even when we're running, we strain. And when we strain our muscles, we're using energy not to run, but to hold our upper body up, or we're holding our breath. We're holding our breath. And when we breathe, we get more oxygen in to be able to run. It steadies our heart rate. It gives uh, sort of rest and cadence back to our running. And he knew that we needed to be reminded just to breathe when our tendency was to strain. And I wonder if we don't need to remember to breathe, because perhaps we in the church ourselves are trying to force things under our own power. We are straining and striving for significance or for influence or for power or for prestige or like sufficiency 
efficiency or survivability. And we feel like it's not going to happen in this day and time with all the challenges that we're up against, unless we are just pressing, like giving it all we got. And when we do, we try to do it under our own power. We're straining instead of counting on God's breath to give us what we need to do the work that God's called us to do. And so maybe we need to remember to breathe like Colonel Barber often reminded us. And so maybe we need to be a prayerful people. Rooting ourselves in prayer is a way of reminding ourselves and asking God to be the one who is sufficient for us, that God's grace is sufficient for what we need, uh, not us in our own self-sufficiency. We are prayerful people. I think we could also maybe be a praiseful people, right? Uh, when we find ourselves in times of uh, hurt or pain, uh, when we get the air knocked out of us, um, sometimes what we tell ourselves is you just got to breathe. You just got to breathe in and out, in and out. You just got to breathe. One of the more terrifying uh, moments of my life, um, I was sitting in the other room. Actually, I think my wife might've been in an, also another room while our youngest child was uh, sitting in a high chair, buckled in, uh, but buckled into a stool and she uh, she pushed her feet out and the whole stool just toppled backwards. And she uh, landed right on the back of her head and just I've never heard any child cry as hard as I heard her cry. And uh, my wife got there first. I came in, you know, kind of behind them. And by the time I got in there, you know, my my wife is worried and panicking. She hit her head. I can't get her to stop crying. I can't console her. And then all of a sudden, um, she like her, everything sort of tensed up in her little tiny two-year-old body. Her eyes rolled back in her head and she stopped breathing. And I, my wife just gave me a limp, a limp baby um, and said, what do we do? And I said, well, let's call, let's call an ambulance and let's see if we can, let's see if we can get her, you know, get her safe. Um, so we were on the phone with 911 um, when Charlotte kind of comes to again and color returns to her face and she's not crying anymore, which is almost as terrifying as the fact that she was crying before. Um, but she seems to be okay. And, um, and so we canceled the, uh, the ambulance, um, thankful for their quick and, and good response, uh, kind of being Calm with us. We immediately call a friend of ours who's a pediatrician, uh, 911, you know, and uh, they called back and come to find out um, that uh, that kind of action, there's a name for it, which I don't remember off the top of my head, but is is a baby's natural reaction when they are crying so hard they can't breathe. Uh, their body actually like passes them out, faints them so that they can collect themselves and breathe again because they're not getting enough oxygen to sustain life, right? Um we think about the times we get the wind knocked out of us or like in that moment, um, we, we in the church, like we as individuals, we, we, we've been hit by a lot of stuff lately. I mean, let's not pretend that things are easy for everybody at the moment. Um, and all that looks different for all of us, depending on what our experience is in life. Um, this is, it's a lot of change. It's a lot of transition. Um, a lot of challenges that we've been through. Like it's easy to see how the church could have just kind of gotten its, its wind knocked out of it, right? How we as followers of Jesus could have the wind knocked out of us. And part of what we got to do is we got to find our footing in praise. Again, we've got to learn to breathe in and breathe out. Um, there's beautiful scriptures. There's beautiful hymnody. There's songs that we sing in the contemporary service uh, that remind us that we we breathe in the breath of God and then we breathe out our praises back to God. It's like God gives us what we need to give God praise, which sounds as like contraintuitive, counterintuitive, not counterintuitive, counterintuitive as it does when like we give our kids money that my wife and I earned to give us presents for Mother's Day or Father's Day, which is kind of the season what we're in at the moment. You know, it always seems like a weird thing. Like, I'll just get some for myself. I don't want to go through this whole process. Like, does God need our praise in that way? But I also think about the ways in which uh, that shapes and forms our kids 
and the ways in which, you know, if I give them $5 to give me a gift, what they give back to me is not the same thing that's equal to the $5. It's uh, maybe it's $5 uh, of cost, but now that thing has so much more significance because they wanted to do it. They chose it. It's an expression of of their love or their affection or my love for them. It's all those things kind of reflected together. And when we praise God, we, we practice breathing in the breath of God and breathing out our praises. We, we get back, just breathe, just breathe in and out. Whether you're in the hospital giving birth to new life, just breathe in and breathe out. Or you're on a soccer field and you rolled your ankle, just don't, you just got to breathe in and breathe out, breathe in and breathe out. Um, we got to be not just a prayerful people, but a, a praiseful people, a returning God's breath back to God in the form of praise. That's how we learn. Uh, that's how we learn to breathe, uh, to breathe again. And then I think finally, we've, we've got to be a people that find ourselves planted wherever we are, right? Uh, there are plenty of scriptures that speak to this. Uh, God says uh, to the Israelites when they're in Babylon, like, hey, whatever your neighborhood in, you've been planted there, plant fields, get married, you know, build relationships in that strange and foreign place. Uh, you're on mission for me there. And I, I think that's where we are. Like wherever we find ourselves planted, um, even if you've been transplanted from another community to this one, or if you're still worshiping with us online because you got transplanted from this community to another one, whatever it is, like wherever we are planted, uh, we're called to to take root, right? To be planted in that place. And uh, one of the things we hear um, Paul say um, in other places is uh, is that when the Spirit of God is indwelling us, we we bear fruit of that indwelling, right? Like an apple tree bears apples, a plum tree bears plums, a fig tree bears figs. Uh, We're a spirit tree and a spirit tree, by contrast, he says, the fruit of the spirit, the spirit tree bears love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says there's no law against any uh, any of these things. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, we see an undoing. If you, maybe you already knew this, maybe not. Um, very way back at the very beginning, just after the creation story, we get the Tower of Babel, where everybody was speaking in one language, and because of our hubris, uh, God made everyone speak in their in different languages, so that their language was confused and they couldn't work together anymore uh, to be proud people or to try to become God in their own eyes. Um, and so we see this like diversification of language, and then on the day of Pentecost. Um, they were speaking in in a language, but they all understood. Like we see a coming together of languages, right? There's a reversal of that brokenness from early in the story. We see the spirit of God is not just uh, restoring the image of God in us, but is restoring the image of God in humanity uh, so that we can now speak this spirit-filled language again. Um, and wherever we're planted, uh, particularly in the times that we're in now, I mean, sometimes it feels like we live in the land of Babel, uh, we're all speaking different languages, even if we're all speaking the same language. We may be speaking different political languages. We may be speaking, oh, there's a lot of different babbleness that we might say is going on at the moment. And and what does it mean that the Spirit helps us, helps us speak to and with each other when we speak with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness, generosity, self-control? What does it look like for us to be planted where we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit. We have to be a prayerful people that's putting God back in charge of the things that we long have been striving to be in charge of. We've got to be a a praiseful people, returning to God, God's breath that's been given to us with added significance as it goes back, breathing in and breathing out. We've got to be a people who, with that indwelling Spirit, plant ourselves wherever we are. We take root there, trusting that in that place, 
the Spirit of God will allow us uh, not just to have life in our own mortal bodies, but through the life that is given birth, uh, that happens in us uh, through the gift of the Holy Spirit as that image of God is restored in us, that we could reflect that uh, with the fruit of the Spirit in all the places that we live, work, and play. I offer that uh, to you. I don't know if it seems on point or not for you. I don't know what exactly it means for you in your life or whatever garden you're planted in. Um, but I pray that you and I pray that we collectively uh, can catch our breath, uh, can catch our breath again. Thanks be to God for the gift of God's spirit on this, the day of Pentecost and on every day. Amen. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith or the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, And while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the greater Fuquay Varina area. Um, FVUMC.org slash give would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fuquay Varina United Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing it again soon.